This is wild. <laughs> the two of you, same person. I mean, it's, it's a little unnatural, but wow. Wild. He who remains. He who remains. She's still calling me that? Creepy. Right? What? I like it. Uh, come on. Come on, let's talk. From my office. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Derek Wong. This week, we're talking about the sixth and final episode of Marvel's Loki, which is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Well, I should say the first season finale, because they actually announced that there was going to be a season two. This is the first Disney Plus Marvel show where they announced a second season, right? Because yeah. WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they never said anything about season two. So this is a, it's a pleasant surprise. This is going to be the last MCU thing we talk about for a while, which thank God we, I feel like all we've been talking about is the MCU <laughs> lately, but um, I'm really excited to talk about this because this was great. I fucking love this episode, but I do have reservations. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly love and adore what they did on this show in this episode as like a Marvel fan, as a comic book fan. But I feel like if you're just a casual viewer, you would not get the same enjoyment out of this as I did, or we did. I think if you don't follow the casting news, if you don't know who like Kang the Conqueror is, this is probably a very deflated experience for you, because half of this episode is exposition from a character we've never seen before. I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but... Yeah, definitely. I knew who he was. It still fell a little flat for me. So I, oh, it I fell a little flat kind of, for you. Okay. I, I definitely kind of empathize with where the, I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it, the non-consenti are coming from. Like For sure. I think it can be a little deflating. I mean, okay, so obviously the thing in this episode is Kang the Conqueror, right? Like, he shows up. Mm-hmm. Or he who remains. He isn't really <laughs> okay, Kang fine. the Conqueror, but... In any case... So this is a character who, like, is well-known from the comics, but I don't particularly know well or have that much attachment to. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, I wasn't like, oh, I'm super hyped to see this character. While it's cool that they're directly tying the movies and the TV show together like this, it doesn't get an extra, like, boost for me because it's Kang, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know how you guys felt. You guys, like, eagerly anticipating Kang? Uh, I mean, I have been... Thinking, like, if they were going to do any other big bad besides Thanos, I would really want to see Kang the Conqueror. So, this is really? kind of like my dream come true. Oh, wow. Just because, like, a lot of my Marvel fandom also comes from, like, the cartoons. And, like, it's not just, like, the old 90s ones. Like, I've kind of continually been watching, like, a lot of the animated stuff up until even today. I like watching the animated Marvel stuff. And, like, the mid-2010s, they used Kang the Conqueror a lot. In a lot of the animated series, so I'm not familiar with him too much in the comic sense, but in the like animated sense, I I am, and I was like, man, I would love to see Kang the Conqueror come into the MCU one day. So I'm I'm happy about this. Well, apparently not the only one. You were thinking like the uh, the people in Marvel. That's cool, man. 
What show like was he on? That you're like, it's oh. like a lot of those animated Avengers shows they had on Disney XD or like Fox or whatever. I know they used. Oh, him I never a kept up times. with those. So I've seen some of those series. So they used him a lot as the villain up until like basically Thanos became this thing in the MCU, and then you saw the like the animated movies and series also shift to Thanos. I think I think Kang is a great follow up to Thanos, just because. I mean, where do you go from Thanos, right? He's such a big, like, existential threat with the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Stones. You know, like, wiping out half the life in the universe. Like, how do you go from there? I mean, obviously, Kang's going to be a little more small-scale, but not by much, because, like, he's introducing the multiverse to the MCU. I feel like this is, like, a extrapolation sideways and maybe not, like, vertical, but... Half of the reason I'm so excited is that Jonathan Majors fucking slayed this role. He was so yes. good as Kang. And, well, keep saying Kang, but... <laughs> this is a way for Marvel to have their cake and eat it, too, right? Because yes. they introduce He Who Remains, who's played by Jonathan Majors, but they save the Kang reveal for, like, Quantumania or whatever. Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. Which is a smart play, I think, that... Kang the Conqueror is just a way worse version of this character that we saw in this episode, right? Yeah. Okay, so let me give my, I guess, impressions of the episode real quick. I think if you guys remember when we talked about uh, Loki's episodes, like three and four and five, both, I think me and Jeff mentioned, like, we did not think that they were going to introduce Kang the Conqueror, right? And Mm -hmm. I guess in a sense, we were right. They didn't introduce Kang the Conqueror, but they still did the thing that we didn't really want to see was this big bad that there was no reference to this person really throughout this whole right. season. Uh, and I, I typically hate it when shows do this where like all of a sudden in the 11th hour, you get like a, a final reveal of a, a super villain that, that's been there the whole time. Like it usually doesn't work. I think for me, what makes this work is not the fact that it's King the Conqueror. I think it is what you said, Jeff. It is Jonathan Major's performance. Like mm-hmm. him in, in this role of he who remains was so fun. And so energetic, and I never imagined that he would play, I guess, this variant of Kang the Conqueror in this way. And it brought a level of energy that was needed because the episode was very exposition heavy, right? There was a lot of explaining. Yeah, like more than half of it was the exposition by Jonathan Majors, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he is so charismatic that it's just like, I didn't care. I didn't mind sitting there like Loki and Sylvie were doing and just listening, right? Mm-hmm. I, I still enjoyed it. Overall, I really like this episode. I really like this season. I think it is the best of the three so far. Yeah, for sure. I think I would be more upset, you know, since Loki and Sylvie and Mobius and Renslayer, they all kind of got the short shift in this episode, right? Like... Their stories took the really second fiddle to Jonathan Majors and He Who Remains and, and all the all the setup they were doing for the multiverse and stuff. I would be way more upset if they didn't do a second season. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, oh, they're just setting up the next Marvel thing. Yeah. But now that they have announced a second season, I'm like, oh, well, maybe next season we'll get more of the resolution to like Mobius and Renslayer and Hunter B-15 and all that stuff that that I also really, really liked and wanted to see more of in the finale. I was still a little upset with the whole where Ravona's character really ends up at the end of this season. I think out of all the characters, she was, in my opinion, the weakest. Mm. Like her resolution to her story feels like really nothing to me. 
I, I think the reveal that she was a principal at this, you know, Franklin Roosevelt high school or middle school or whatever was like their whole plot was, oh, let's just show one of the other TVA agents that she's a real person. And that that was like how they resolved this storyline of like exposing the TVA. It just seems so mm-hmm. muted c- compared to like, I think the spectacle of the fight between Loki and Sylvie and then the reveal of Jonathan Major's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think out of all the characters and all the in the storylines, I think the TVA part was the most disappointing by the end of the season. The both lackluster, and I, I do wish there was a little bit more. That's what you said, Amir. Though, right? Like you always thought that TVA stuff was like the weakest. Yeah, I was never the biggest fan, but I can see how if you liked that part of the show more, you'd be disappointed in the lack of resolution in this last one and. The fact that like Mobius and Renslayer and all these characters who, if you like that plot, who are central to it, just kind of disappear and peter off by the end. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is a super Mobius heavy show. At the beginning, it was fun, so I can get why you'd be upset if he disappeared. Yeah, I, I do like that they went in a completely different direction for this finale. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a weird thing to do, right? To take this risk of introducing this new character you've never seen before and making him the centerpiece of the episode and then using him to tie into the rest of the MCU and lay the ground for all this stuff. Definitely yeah, it's ambitious. Thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it's either ambitious or like very lazy and craven. I don't know which. <laughs> like, I don't know which it is. Like, is it just like, oh, we need to tie into these upcoming properties. Fuck it. Let's just make an episode of that and fuck resolution for the story we're trying to write. Or is it actually like, an ambitious, yeah. like, but, swing for the fences that they pulled off. Like, I actually... I'm leaning more towards the ambition just because, you know, it's, it's not like they don't want to see resolutions to these characters, and that's part of the reason why they probably announced the second season, right? So, I still want to see, like, everyone get their their due. I don't know. I liked how they tied He Who Remains into the themes for Loki and Sylvie, how they didn't trust each other in the end. I mean, it's kind of a downer ending, right? Because it is. Um, the whole thing is that uh, he who remains, he orchestrated this whole entire thing for Loki and Sylvie to find him because he's tired of cleaning up these timelines and he wants to hand over the reins to Loki and Sylvie or have Sylvie kill him. Either way, he wins, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting and that... It was playing against, like, Loki's tendencies to, like, want power and domination and things like that. But it made Sylvie think, like, oh, you don't want me to kill him because you want the throne for yourself. But Loki, he's like, no, 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 that's not what I want. I mean, like, think about it. And Loki ends up being right, obviously. Mm-hmm. It is his show, right? And and it, it's it's a good way to show his growth. I do like that. I agree with that statement. Like, I think that... You know, you, you mentioned that maybe everyone kind of took second fiddle to Jonathan Majors. And I, I partially agree with that, but I do think that I still like the resolution that they give with Loki and Sylvie's story, right? That there are kind of opposite sides of the same coin. You got the kiss. You got their kiss. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah, the kiss. there you go. That's right. <laughs> See, they do kiss. It didn't cause a multiverse, but they do <laughs> kiss. Uh, um, but yeah, I really like the fact that we do see this growth in Loki, that he does change by the end of this season. And and it's a believable change, right? It took six episodes and like it's not just like all of a sudden like he's a different person and we haven't seen that. Like we got to see that that growth over six episodes and 
I do believe him when he says, like, hey, I'm not after the throne anymore, right? Like, I'm, I'm a different person. So they managed to catch him up to where, like, the Loki of Endgame was or whatever? Or of but yes and was. no, right? Because he's still a trickster, right? Like, he's still very much for himself. Which I one? Feel like. The one that gets killed by Thanos, right? Like, his, right, he was still yeah, hiding yeah. The, the Tesseract. I feel like if we're going to lean one way or the other, like, the one we've seen in this show is more good than we've ever seen Loki, right? Yeah, I would agree. I think that's right. Like, and I like that Sylvie is just like this character that is so jaded. You know, I love the line that you can't trust and I can't be trusted, right? Like it just really mm-hmm. encompasses who they are or how they've been seen. By the end, it's really maybe only true for one of them now, right? Because, you know, this Loki is a person that can be trusted versus Sylvie is still hasn't grown enough to trust in the Loki that we know now. Mm-hmm. Did you guys get a feeling that He Who Remains wanted it this way? Because there are, like, lines where he kind of eggs on Sylvie saying, like, oh, do you think you can trust Loki? Like, do you think he doesn't want the throne? Like, either way, it would have been played out for him fine, but it did seem like he was egging on Sylvie a little bit. What do you mean, what do you mean either way it ends up fine? Like, he says, either way it ends up either be he's alive and Sylvie and Loki take over, or he gets killed. Another multiversal war starts, and then in the end, he thinks that he's the only one smart enough to, to end it, right? Like, he'll be back at the same spot. That's what he means. I thought he just hated his job that much. He's like, either you kill me <laughs> or you take over, but I'm done with this bullshit. I, I, think think a too, can, I, think, I think a lot of people can relate to. Um. <laughs> no, no, I think the idea is that, like, it would cause his alternate variant selves to take over, but then eventually one of them would figure out how to stop the others, and then he would just be right back where he began. But that wouldn't right? be him, right? It wouldn't He's be him, dead. but it's like, in a sense, like, he realized it is him, right? It's just another version of him. But it's not him, though, right? Because the variants no, are different. No, and I don't think he's saying, like, I entities. will be here. I right. will be here, but, like, so we will be here again. Like, this, it's it's going to be you, and it's going to be a version of me. A version. That's how I read that scene. So, you know, we mentioned that it's Kang the Conqueror, but in actuality, it isn't Kang, right? It, this is he who remains. This is a version of this character named Nathaniel Richards. Richards that, I guess is the one that defeats all of his other variants and ends up at the end of time, right? But do we want to talk a little bit about who, I guess, Kang is? Maybe to prime people. Oh, like- boy. Kang <laughs> is very, very complicated characters. So many different versions of them. So, like, this version is a very, like, amalgamated version of different Kangs. Mm-hmm. I think he has the most uh, similarities with probably Immortus, right? Yes who is a version of Kang. So he's a future version of Kang, right? He's already done all the evil things that Kang has yeah. done. And he gets stuck at the end of time. And I wouldn't say he's reformed, but the timekeepers, the real timekeepers in the comics task him with policing the time stream like he's doing here. So I think he's probably the closest to Immortus, but... Uh, Kang himself is a very, very seasoned Avengers villain, uh, right? He's like a time traveler. He had dealings with Ensabonur, who's Apocalypse in the comics. He ruled as a pharaoh called Ramatut. So like, there's a lot of different versions of Kang. He's possibly a descendant of Reed Richards. So maybe we'll get a black Reed Richards. That might be pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder if that's where they're going with it. Yeah, that might be really cool, actually. Yeah. 
and sometimes he's related to Doctor Doom. It's never like clear. Also, a younger version of him is called Iron Lad, and he is Kang before he becomes evil, and he wants to change his ways, so he's like a, a young Avenger. Very convoluted backstory to Kang, but I'm I'm excited. This is a this is a good big bad, and if Jonathan Majors can bring a different shade of that charisma he showed in this episode, a more menacing one, I think he would be a great Phase 4, maybe even Phase 5 villain. Like, who knows? Yeah, and it's already been announced that he would be playing Kang the Conqueror in... Quantumania. Ant-Man in Quantumania. But I wouldn't be surprised if he starts popping up in other MCU properties as maybe different variants of Kang. Right, even before that movie, because that movie's not slated to come out to like I think 2023. So that is a pretty big gap. Yeah, pretty big gap between now, like introducing him already, and then that. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's already kind of seeding the idea that there are different versions of him, right? Some more benevolent and others being more mischievous, like like King the Conqueror. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we saw different versions uh, moving forward, especially if we're going to be dealing with like time travel and multiverses in in both Doctor Strange and potentially like Spider-Man, the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to show up in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I think he's definitely going to show up in What If. Right, mm. yeah. That makes, mm-hmm. sense. that makes sense. So, I don't know. Phase 4 is shaping up to be really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the air. I don't know. I mean, this multiverse thing seems like the biggest, obviously. So, when is the Doctor Strange? Because Quantumania is not till 2023. Yeah. I believe Doctor Strange is in 2022. Yeah, next year. Right, next year. Because this year left is like Shang-Chi, Eternals, and then I think Spider-Man's in Christmas, and then I think it's sometime in March or February of next year is Doctor Strange. Let's talk about this a little bit. So, if if people don't remember, before the pandemic, you know, Marvel had released their slate. And because of the pandemic, it's all out of whack a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Because this actually wasn't supposed to come out until after Shang-Chi and the Eternals. So I think... Loki, you mean? Yeah. Loki wasn't supposed to come out until, I believe, uh, the end of this year. But they shifted it. Shang-Chi was supposed to come out this past February. Eternals was supposed to come out last November. Mm-hmm. Black Widows was supposed to come out last May, but because you know the whole shift and people not going to movies, I think they shifted the shows to come out first. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if you get no multiverse stuff in Shang Chi or the Eternals. Like I would not expect it at all. I'd be okay yeah. with that. I mean, so it is kind of weird to have like we're going into a multiverse, like the timelines all fucked up, and then you go to Shang Chi and, and and Eternals. Maybe they might sneak in some mentions of it, but. I don't think we should be expecting. It would be less than this, obviously. Yeah. Because they were yeah. made to be before. Before all the, of this, the yeah. timeline yeah, it gets all uh, messed up. I, I don't know. I, I think the first instance we're going to see of it is is going to be Spider-Man. Now that we know the multiverse is here and like there's this idea of variance, it makes me think that maybe now Jane Foster's a variant, right? Maybe she's That's a variant. That's true. That could and be. And that's why that's why she's Thor in that in that next Thor movie. I wonder if if what we mentioned last week, like if they're gonna deal with the idea of the TVA trying to go after like Gamora, right? Now that the TVA's 
introduce and she's technically maybe a variant. Wait, why is she a variant? Because isn't she from a different timeline? Like she's yeah, not she supposed doesn't to belong. exist, right? That's true. Yeah. She's from the Thanos timeline. 2014 of timeline. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really know how that time stuff intersects with this. I'm just going to say straight up, I have no idea how that shit's supposed to work. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a sinking feeling that they're going to do less with the multiverse than we think. You would think. I just think because that's you want to. fine, though. It can't all be multiverse yeah. shit. No, 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 it can't be. First of all, you still want to keep things at least semi-accessible to casual viewers, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't want the TVA to be showing up in, like, a Guardians movie and being like, hey, Gamora, you're under arrest for fucking breaking the sacred timeline or whatever. That would be stupid and, like, out of whack. (laughs) I feel like any of their franchises, the one where random space-looking people can show up and try and arrest someone, probably be Guardians. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Don't forget, there's also a ton of other shit going on, too. Secret Invasion with the Skrulls is coming. That's a whole other thing. Uh, they've introduced all the Young Avengers. They've also introduced the Dark Avengers slash Thunderbolts. So there's a lot of things going on that's not just the multiverse, right? So so Marvel, the MCU, is just going to become like comics, where they're going to have just like whole events and whole books that you just don't give a fuck about. You think that there's going to be like, oh, I don't really care about Secret Evasion, so I'm not going to watch Secret I think Invasion. maybe. I think people just might be like, I just don't want to see that one. I'm just not that psyched about it. Like, maybe that's kind of where it goes. Like, they, things start to fragment. And, like, only the diehards see everything. And then some people are just like, I just I don't really want to see, like, I don't know. I mean, Julia that's Louis already Dreyfus happened. Scene, with, that's right? already like, happened this year. There's so much Marvel shit this year. This is the most jam-packed Marvel year fucking ever. WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Loki, Black Widow, Eternals, Oof. Shang-Chi. It's so much, right? Like, what if? What if? I feel like people are already like, some of these I just don't give a shit about, right? Yeah. I think they need to pull the reins back a little bit. It's getting a little too dense. I mean, sure. Like, it's definitely bad if, like, Marvel movies are the only thing that exists in entertainment. Mm-hmm. I was going to say but. There is no but. It's definitely bad. But – and here's, my, here's the but anyway. Christ. What if they're all like not bad? Like what if you're all into this stuff and like none of it ever tanks? You know what I mean? Like – I would love that. I mean like, like – if they just never make a dud. Like they just keep on pumping out B, B grade. Not B movies but like, you know, B minus to B plus movies. And shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could do that. They could. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to jinx it or I'm not going to say like definitely like it'll never You're tank. About but to jinx it right now. I know, but it just seems foolproof is the wrong word, but they're never aiming to be like these highbrow like Oscar movies, right? They know their audience. They know like they're just fun movies that they have some jokes, they have some action, and they have characters that you care about. I mean, I guess it's not hard to mess it up because we've seen other studios mess it up. But I think they figured out a formula that people like. And so you're saying that people are hogs and we'll just slap up any any like slop they throw at us? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to see them like use auteurs more than they have. I, I just feel like they're leaving a lot on the table just by keeping things their in-house style. And I know that's how they get their consistency. And I know that's how they uh, make sure everything is conformed to their fast food type 
comic book fun, right? But, like, yeah, I mean, imagine if you got, like, Gareth Evans to, like, choreograph the fight scenes in Shang-Chi or something. You know, like, I want to see something like that, where it's just, like, mm-hmm. something so much more auteur-driven than, like, what we've gotten so far. But I, I don't think we're ever going to do that. So is this something you want only because you feel like you're obligated to watch Marvel stuff? What do you mean? Like, is it because, like, okay, I'm going to be watching Marvel shit anyway, so it may as well be good? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you can just watch whatever Gareth Evans does next instead of hoping he does a Marvel yeah. thing. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like because it's everywhere and it, like, it seems inevitable. It's like, well, we might as well make it good as opposed to just watching things that are good in and of themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes I mean, sense. I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I get wanting to have these things be better, a little more stylish and a little bit. I don't know. And I, I guess if you think that their hegemony is bad, then another way of allowing some like diversity of style is by turning the Marvel movies into good movies. If good movies kind of can't survive on their own. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. Are you saying that you think that moving forward, they have to do this? Or... I think just, just saying it would be cool if they did. Yeah, I'm just saying it would be cool if they did. I think we all agree it's not at all inevitable, right? Like, I think the safe thing to do and what they're going to do is just stick with their house style, right? Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, aren't they stretching a little bit with Eternals, supposedly? Supposedly. I mean, really? that trailer doesn't really look like... Marvel. I mean, it does look like Marvel. I don't but think... it does it, though, right? I don't like... think you're really getting into Chloe Zhao's actual aesthetic or her method of storytelling i still think that it's very very in-house style mm-hmm. i mean you're not using her typical cinematographer either and you do have that midwestern feel to it but it's not like the writer or like nomadland if you're expecting something like that that's not what you're gonna get with the eternals right it's still the mcu but I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't seen anything more than the trailer, so I can't tell you. But maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. But I, I wouldn't count on it. But to defend that other side, though, I mean, like, when you watch that trailer, like, it's the least marvely of trailers, right? It's There's, like, no action. It feels the least like a Marvel movie, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing yet. But I would have to say that that's partially because of Chloe Zhao, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't say that, that her influence isn't maybe somehow in there. Because I, I don't think you'll ever get to the point where, like, Marvel's just going to be like, do your thing, and, you know, we're going to get, like, a nomad land, right, of, of a Marvel movie. Like, it's just, you're not going to get people, I mean, no offense, I, you're just not going to get the eyes on that kind of movie. You can't let just anyone buy into the franchise or they dilute the brand, right? Yeah. I don't know if we could ever get to that. It's just the law of numbers, right? Like, the more shit you put out, the more likely one of them's going to be a flat-out dud. Yeah. Yeah. But only one is okay, right? As long as they don't continually put out duds, right? Yeah. Like, the new Star Wars shit had to fuck up a lot before people were like, all right, we're, like, done with this shit. I mean, they had a whole trilogy where, right, I mean, exactly. I, don't in my up, opinion, they don't fucked fuck up. Don't fuck up all of them, right? Just, like, give <laughs> me fucked up one out of however many Marvel movies there are. Like, 30 or something now, or less than 30 right I mean, now. Star Wars really only fucked up one, right? Trilogy or one movie? One movie. You don't. Uh, uh, I this is like a different a discussion. Massive sidetrack. Yeah, like this is gonna go <laughs> this is weird places. <laughs> but I guess even WandaVision in the end turned out to be very by numbers MCU thing, right? But I, I thought that it started out pretty quirky and weird and different. Even this, even Loki was a little bit different than what I think I would expect from 
uh, maybe a Marvel property at times. So I, I don't know. I I hope that they'll do a little bit of experimenting, but uh, I don't think that they can stray too far from uh, the quote-unquote norm. Well, I mean, talking about WandaVision for a second, like the cool sitcom stuff that they did in the beginning. First of all, they didn't really capture the sitcoms because the sitcom stuff that they did wasn't very funny. I never thought it was funny. I thought it was clever. I thought it was cute. And I appreciated the novelty. But even that novelty is within Wanda, like, using her powers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're truly doing anything different, right? Because you're still involving, like, the the bad sword storyline to investigate what's going on with the sitcoms and things like that. So it's within the Marvel wheelhouse. So if if anything, Loki deviated the most from the Marvel formula, right? Really? By being good? More so than WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, for sure, right? I mean, they're opening up a branch into, like, a whole different type of storytelling with, like, the multiverse. Yeah, but that's all Marvel stuff. I don't know. I think it's just the best of those shows. I don't think it's the the most non-Marvel-y. It all felt pretty Marvel-y to me. Yeah. Yeah, I I think a good example for Loki is that, like, I think before the series ever even premiered, like, I think a lot of people thought, like, oh, maybe this would be, like, Doctor Who. Like, it'd be, like, Marvel's version of Doctor Who, which is, like, super weird and super quirky and super fun. And even that, it didn't ever become that. If it did become that, I would say that maybe this was the most, the one that kind of deviated the most. But even then, I, I see how, I can see the lines of, like, how Marvel kind of reined this show back in. Yeah, I think... There's something to be said about a show about Loki and Mobius solving time crimes, just like individual episodes of them. Yeah, solving just like a different playing straight. I would have loved that actually. The initial yeah. concept, that just doing really... what we thought they were going to do. Yeah, yeah, and like you can definitely bring that into like a second season too. That could just be like a mainstay of the MCU, just like a Loki show where he's just fucking playing time cop the whole time. That that'd be great. I would love that. I mean, I I liked what they did in spite of that but like it is what it is okay well that leads us to then maybe talk about one last thing about this episode that we haven't touched on yet and you know at the end we see that the sylvie and loki fight and then uh sylvie does push loki through you know one of those tva portals back to the tva but what we don't realize until it's revealed that this isn't the same tva right whether mm-hmm. it be that because the timeline has changed and he's in a different timeline, or he's like straight up in a different universe, right? Maybe he isn't on his timeline, he's in a different timeline. Uh, because in this instance, Mobius does not recognize him, right? They don't know who he is at all. And when Loki looks at the statue that's normally like in the middle of the TVA, right? In the little library, it's usually three statues of the timekeepers that's been replaced by what looks like a more traditional looking king the conqueror what did you guys think about this like how did you guys interpret i mean people were so confused by this but i thought, I thought it that was, was great that people were confused or you thought no the whole thing i like i liked this giant statue of kang yeah i mean people were like oh they wiped their memories at the tv i was like no it's a completely different tva i thought that was obvious right because I think the the giant statue of Kang gives it away, right? It's either a different timeline or a different universe altogether. 
And it's definitely not the timeline that Loki came from. And it, it's interesting. I, I watched this episode again, like I normally do. And even before he gets to B-15 and Mobius, there's a, a really, really obvious giveaway that I think a lot of people miss. I probably missed it. I don't know what you're, what you're referring to, actually. So, You know, when he's walking through the TBA, you see like these hunters walk by, right? And then one of them's like, oh, we got to gather here or whatever. That person that talks is Casey, the pencil pusher that we meet in episode one and two. Oh, is it? Yes. Because if you look at the credits, he's credited now. That actor's credited now as a hunter. Huh. I had no idea. Yeah. I think it's a blink and you miss it. But if you watch it again and you notice, like, that is him. He says something like, oh, we're going this way. And it, it's his voice and, and the credits confirm it. And, like, now that you know, you can go back and see it. I, I miss it the first time around, too. The more obvious giveaways, of course, when he, when he meets up with Mobius and B-15 and he's like, who are you, you know? I, I was going to ask you guys, what do you feel about this? I love the fact that, you know, at the end of episode five and we, we see, like, that really special bond that they have. This is Loki's maybe first ever, like, real friend, right? Someone he actually cares about. But then by the end of this episode right or end of the season that's kind of taken away from him in, in in regards like he's lost sylvie but he's also lost like mobius i don't think that's gonna be permanent it would be a real kick the shaggy dog moment i would not like that yeah but i did not know about casey so yeah i was gonna say what the fuck happened to eugene cordero i guess that's <laughs> that's what happened that's it yeah he fucking disappeared on us kind of a shame because i really liked his performance in the first episode and then he kind of never showed up again. Like, even this, like, I didn't even realize until you pointed it out. So it's like a kind of like a nothing reprisal of the role, right? So. Yeah. I don't, I think most people do miss it, but I think if you look at the credits, it says he's like Hunter, mm-hmm. like Z something or something like that. And, and if you watch it carefully, it, it sounds like him. It's him. It's definitely him. Yeah. I was going to say that I think that what would be interesting for a second season is that if Loki has to team up with Ravona. Right, because she is the person that seems to, if anything, wants to reset the timeline to the way it was. Right, like she would be mm-hmm. the individual that is like on the side of the the sacred timeline. It might be interesting to see Loki work with her, right, to maybe get things right again. Yeah, because her fate is up in the air, right? Because you don't know where she goes. She leaves. Yeah, but I would like to see her maybe hew closer to her like comic book roots you know like actually have a relationship with kang or something like that i I mean i'm pretty sure that's where they're going with that character so um Mm, yeah we'll we'll see but yeah definitely the strongest of the three disney plus shows i i enjoyed it the most yeah absolutely yeah i'm happy that we're getting a second season right like out of all of them you Mm -hmm. want more of this and i definitely felt like both WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier were just stepping stones, right? They were just shows to set up these characters so that they can return to the MCU and they would be almost like different characters or maybe characters were more invested in after the shows. But this one feels like the first time this this is a TV show. This is something that they want to continue like serially through Disney Plus rather than like this being a launching right. point where like, oh, Loki's back in the Thor movies and and Loki's going to be in uh, all these other movies, you know what I mean? Like, he, he still can, but I like the fact that they've given us the confirmation, like, hey, there's a second season coming, so we are going to get more Loki on TV. Also, like, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, they were good, I enjoyed them, but they're, like, disposable, right? I feel like you can catch up with 
Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and really not need to know too much about what happened to Wanda. I mean, she has like a new costume, but like Vision's still dead, right? She probably processed that grief in that show, but like you're not really missing too much by missing WandaVision. And then Falcon and Winter Soldier, same thing, right? Like, because even more so with Falcon and Winter Soldier, because Steve handed over the shield, but you just wouldn't know that. Like, he gave it up and, yeah. Yeah, he gave it up and then had to go through this whole thing with uh, with Baron Zemo and all this stuff to reinvigorate his heroism and to, to pick up the mantle of Captain America, right? And you you wouldn't miss anything from that. But this, with, like, the multiverse and all the things that are coming out of this, like, this feels like necessary viewing. Um, I feel like you definitely need to watch this to know the backstory behind what's going on for the future of the MCU, so... Hmm. You don't agree, Amir? I don't know. I feel like you could still probably skip this. And, like, I don't know. You go into the Doctor Strange movie, and they're like, yo, there's a multiverse now. And, I don't know, you just roll with it. And then it's like, oh, like, if you want the backstory on this new multiverse thing, go back and watch that show. I'm sure there's going to be tons of people who are going to skip this show and still go see Doctor Strange, and I think they'll be fine. Or or Ant-Man and Quantumania, whichever one is the next like, sequel. Yeah. I kind of agree with both of you. There's just some people that I know that have watched MCU movies and, and aren't watching any of these shows, right? And mm-hmm. They'll still watch MCU movies, and they'll probably still be able to get it, right? This is not hard, but I do agree with you that this one out of the three seems the most essential. That This one seems like you should watch it. There's definitely a change in one of our characters that we've already talked about you know in the main character of loki but then also just like the status quo of how the universe like the marvel cinematic universe is working this is the birthplace of that so it's like it almost feels like you should watch it i guess that's a different answer to like do you have to watch it i guess you don't you don't have to watch anything i guess this is probably the one that's the hardest to roll with i mean you still can but i think it's much harder than wandavision and uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, like the follow-ups to that. It does the least full reset at the end, right? Yeah. Especially because if you are also have like watched Endgame and you're curious about what happens to Loki, like this is your answer. Like that movie set up this show and then this show is now setting up the movies. Like it does seem like this is a through line that you should be watching. Yeah, because in Endgame, that was such a big question mark, right? Because they made such yeah. a stink about Loki taking the Tesseract and disappearing with it. Like... This seems the most tied in. All right. Well, um, is, is do you guys have anything else that you guys want to bring up? No. This was a, a a good finale. Great showcase for Jonathan Majors. Really excited for him to join the MCU. So, yeah. If that is all, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me in the new multiverse. How about you? <laughs> You find Amir at the end of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, waiting to see if he's going to die or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me at World's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. Uh, but if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, on Loki and its season finale. Feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting email. We like reading fan mail on the pod. So feel free to shoot us that line. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.